0: what can I do? Have you ever found yourself somewhere in a church situation wondering, what can I do? You see people moving, see God using people. You see them singing. You see them preaching and teaching. God, what can I do? Um, Matthew 4, 18 through 20. God, I give you praise and ask you to speak to our hearts and change our lives, God. God, I just let your word go forth in power. And praise your name, Lord. We give you praise. Speak to our heart and change our lives. Give us a revelation in Jesus' name. In Matthew 4 18, and this is when Jesus called the disciples. Amen. And Jesus, walking by the way at the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brethren, Simon and Peter, and Andrew his brother, and it was casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he said unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And straightway, say straightway, immediately, right then. <laughs> they didn't go home and think about it. They didn't visit another Messiah. <laughs> they didn't, they, right then, it's, it's imperative to obey God quickly. And they left him. So the question I have is why would they immediately leave what they had been doing all of their lives and following him? They had spent their whole lives living and laboring only for themselves. (laughs) And for the first time in their lives, they were given an opportunity to be a part of something that was greater than them. When the Messiah, Jesus himself, walked up and said, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. He gave them an opportunity to be part of something greater than themselves. They'd spent their whole life pulling nets in and catching fish and cleaning them and trying to make a living. But God said, I'll make you part of something greater if you'll follow me. For the first time, they were ever offered an opportunity for their lives to have meaning and purpose. How many of us here tonight want our lives to have meaning and purpose? Hallelujah. Who wants to just die with no meaning in their life? John Wesley said, Lord, I pray, never let me live to be useless. (laughs) Woo! Hallelujah. How many want their lives to be meaningful and have purpose? Jesus Christ came. See, this is the first words he ever spoke to his disciples. I'm going to share the first thing he said and the last thing he said. Amen? Listen closely. He said, follow me. I'll make you fishers as men. He didn't ask him, have you ever been to church? <laughs> what church you all belong to? What do you believe? <laughs> do you have a problem with me? I'm the Messiah. You know, do you believe... Have you read the scripture? Have you been to Bible college? Have you? He didn't care about any of that. He spoke to the purpose for their lives that he would give them. He said, I came for one reason, to seek and to save that which is lost. And if you'll follow me, I'll give you purpose and make you fishers of men, to seek and to save that which is lost, to go into darkness and fish out those that can't see the way. That's purpose. That gives yourself meaning. Amen? He said, I came to give you an opportunity, but he didn't stop and beg them. If they had a said no, he'd have kept walking right on by. Amen. He's going to give an opportunity to somebody that'll take it. Leonard Ravenhill said the opportunity of a lifetime must be seized during the lifetime of the opportunity. Wow. The opportunity of a lifetime must be taken during a Lifetime of the opportunity. That means what God offers you won't last forever. You have to move when God moves. You take what God gives you. Learn to obey quickly. Learn to run. That's why we run to the altars At the altar calls. We don't sit back. We don't wait. Is that God? Is that not God? It is not Satan telling you to go to the altar for prayer. I can take it now. Let me settle that battle forever. It is not your flesh. You're not in the flesh. If there's an opportunity for prayer and you run for it, that's God. Amen? That's always God. Woo. Up until now, they had only lived and been given an opportunity to live in the natural. Jesus Christ came to give them an opportunity to live in the supernatural. Now, I don't care who you are and what you think you're capable or not able to do. God has something for you to do. Amen. But what happens if you don't do it? Somebody else will. Amen. Leonard Ravenhill said this. He said, how shall I feel at the judgment seat of Christ when my entire life passes before my eyes and it's filled with missed opportunities? How shall I feel when I stand before Jesus and my life that I live pass before me on the big screen and everything I see going across? My whole life is a life filled with missed opportunities. They came my way, but I was too busy. The opportunity came, but I denied it. The opportunity came, and I wouldn't step into it. Woo! Everybody say, what can I do? Can I do? Amen. I want to share with you the last words of Jesus. Kind of a two-point message. That makes it simple. Amen? Mark 16 and 15 through 16. Now, this is Jesus. He'd been beaten and mocked and rejected and disbelieved and unowned and unwanted and all that stuff and been on the cross, been in the grave for three days. He had done rose again. And now he's alive like he said he would. Can I tell you, Jesus will do what he said he'll do. He told him, I'll rise in three days, and he rose in three days. If he says he'll pay your bills, he'll pay your bills. If he says he'll make you great, he'll make you great. If he says go and he'll be there, he'll be there. If he says step, he's going to be with you. Jesus Christ will do what he says he'll do. He is looking for somebody to believe him. Woo, can you believe him? He is looking for somebody that won't look at the circumstances, that won't look at how little and insignificant it looks, and they'll just do what he said anyway. Woo, somebody that's not looking at empty seats and the problems outside, but they look at the solution up high and say, God, I'll go. Amen. Woo, I feel the Holy Ghost. He, he was risen from the dead and he started walking and you know as he come walking up many of them didn't even know him if you read this chapter you'll find out the bible says he upbraided him he got on to him because they didn't even recognize him he said oh ye of little faith how many times has Christ walked right beside me and I didn't even recognize him how many times have I seen somebody in need and I didn't Recognize that that was Jesus. Woo! How many times he said, when you fed me when I was hungry, when you visited me when I was in jail, when I was sick, when I was destitute, when I was cold and lonely, and you reached out. So how many times has Jesus walked beside me and I didn't recognize him? How many times has he come in in a service, but I wouldn't get out of my chair and come up and enter in into the presence of God because I didn't recognize him? Woo! Hallelujah, Jesus. We give you praise. I'm telling you, you've got to learn to be sensitive. You've got to learn to move quickly. God is awesome. God's not dead, and he's not boring. People are boring. People are boring. They get stale like bad breath, but God is cool, man. Amen? That's why I jump and dance and shout. You may not know where I came from. I remember laying on my bed with vomit on the side of my mouth. Couldn't pick it up stoned and drunk, thinking I'm going to die in this bed, puke everywhere, as nasty as that is, and couldn't even lift my head out of it. I know where he brought me, so I can shout. I can jump. I know what it's like to say, God, I can either pay my light bill or the phone bill, but I can't pay both. What do you want me to do? And God came through and made a way to take care of both of them. Whoo! I've seen God do some stuff in my 18 years of being saved, and I'm not ashamed to jump. I'm not ashamed to shout. Hallelujah. I'm not going to patty cake him. I'm not going to act like that we got this kind of distant relationship thing going like on date.com or something, and we just kind of talk to each other on a keyboard or, you know, from the mail. I'm going to act like I love him like he loved me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Who alone is worthy but this Lord and Savior? Woo, that's why I dance and jump and shout. He has done something for me when he didn't have to. So anyway, here we are. This Jesus that did things for them is walking by. And he says to them, Mark 16, verse 15, He said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. How many of y'all heard of the Salvation Army? The founder of the Salvation Army. Just so you'll know, the Salvation Army was That when it started an army for salvation that's what it was it was soldiers that marched the streets that went to the slums in england they went to where it was destitute where prostitutes were where, where um they were shooting heroin heroin's not a new drug it's been around a long time alcoholics abusers gangs then they walked through there and there was an army going after the salvation of lost souls. that's read it it's powerful i've got a lot i have a lot of respect for um my mind draws blank right now. to come to me for, um, for, for, this, for the, uh, William Booth and Catherine Booth. Amen. Nothing like it is today. Today it looks just like this big handout charity and, oh, can you help me so we can help somebody else? But back in the day when it started, it was to win lost souls. And he said this to some of his soldiers. He said, <laughs> preach the gospel and, if necessary, use words. He meant live it out in front of them. Hey, he said, live it out in front of them. Live it out in front of them. Go into all the world and preach the gospel, but preach with your lifestyle. Preach with your open hand of giving. Preach with your hugging arm of love. Preach with... Amen? Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to whom? Every creature, he that believes and is baptized shall what? Be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. There's a pattern here. The first time he said, come... And follow me. The second time he said, Go. He said, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Now go fishing for men. The idea here is we're to constantly come into Christ's presence and then constantly go out and fish for men. Say, Come. Go. Come. Go. That's the gospel. I come in, I enter in his presence, I worship him, and he touches me. He changes my life. He does a he doesn't expect you to work for free. He's not a hard taskmaster. You come in and soak up his glory and soak up his presence. But then you go. Amen? Somebody say in and out. Yeah. Sounds real simple, right? But see, there's a problem. <laughs> <You> might. <laughs> a lot of people say, you know what? i got enough problems on my own. I don't want to hear about any more problems. God is big enough to handle his own problems. But tonight, we're not saying that. We're saying, what can I do? Right? What can I do? Now, check this out. There's a silent crisis taking place right now outside these doors. And it's bad. The, the distance in the gap between the number of, of the church and the unchurched is growing at an alarming rate. It's a crisis. The godly landscape of America is changing. How many of y'all know that at the White House they used to hold revivals? One of our presidents was a revivalist, and while he was in office, he preached revivals. Isn't that amazing? In the Rotunda, they would call the uh, Marine Corps band to come do praise and worship. It's founded on godliness, but our godly landscape is changing. The Christian share of the United States population is declining, while the number of United States adults who do not identify with Christianity is growing. For sure, the United States remains home to more Christians than any other country. That's a fact. And a large majority of Christians, roughly 7 in 10, continue to identify with some branch of the Christian faith. But there's a major new survey out where they, they surveyed 35,000 American Christians. The Pew Research Center. Godly research group, man. Them and the Barna group. <laughs> and this, th- these are real facts. The, the percentage of adults 18 and older that describe themselves as Christians has dropped in the past seven years. During the same period, the percentage of Americans who are religiously unaffiliated, like atheists, agnostics, uh, nothing in particular, I didn't know that was religion, but it is, it grew. Also, in the past seven years, the number of Americans that identify with non-Christian faiths has grown, meaning Muslims and Hindus are on the rise. But see, that's not the Messiah that we just sang about. Amen? You can rub Buddha's belly all day long, and you're not going to get anything but a sore hand. But when you kneel before a holy God named Jesus, he's going to come and meet your need. Amen? Hallelujah? (laughs) Woo! Now, these statistics lead us to ask, is there any good news to be found? It don't take a rocket scientist to figure out that people that aren't saved aren't beating down the doors of the church. Amen? Open your eyes and look around. (laughs) Do those who stay in the faith seem to show a deeper discipleship? Look, I know I'm reading some statistics. Don't don't get bored with this because I'm going somewhere. Mm. In this same survey, they found a little bit of good news. That weekly Bible study grew by 4%. There's 315 million people in America. I didn't count them all, but the government did. They know if you don't, if you don't pay your taxes, they, they know how to count you. Amen? Daily prayer rose 2%, and Bible study outside of a church also grew by 4%. It sounds a little encouraging. Over the past seven years, there's been some growth. But did you know just participating in faith-oriented activities... Does it mean a deeper walk with Christ? Just because you show up and participate in a service? See, the crisis out there is a discipleship crisis. Mm -hmm. Y'all with me? I'm telling you, I got something to tell you. (coughs) There's a come follow me crisis and there's a go fishing crisis. Is what it boils down to. Because the ones that came and followed said, we've done followed you we've stopped. We're still following you in this chair. We're following you inside these walls. We're following you in our own little way. Picture number one, please, Nick. I found this fascinating. I learned this this week about the name of God. Picture number one. Now, look, I've got a a nine-and-a-half grade education in math. That I kind of zoned out in the beginning of the 10th grade. But I've had to deal with math since then, so I'm going to show y'all a fraction here or some math in God's name, all right? Now, this is pretty deep. How many letters do we have? Three. God. If you divided in thirds and had a fraction, you'd have one-third, two-thirds, three-thirds, right? Y'all with me? Did you know two-thirds of God's name is go? Two-thirds of God's name says, go. Come follow me and go. Come follow me and go. Come follow me and go. Come has to do with moving. Go. Go to where the presence of God is. Go. Go to where the hurting and dying is. Go to where the presence of God is. It's a simple pattern. Two-thirds of his name means go. Amen? Amen. Now, I have a video clip I want to share with you just for a minute. I put this on my heart to show what we're meaning. So let's give Nick just a second as he slides it over there. Let's give him a hand for, hey, look, it's it's not always easy, the demands I put on the media sound system back there and and the pictures and the video clips. But God says, go. Amen? He didn't say stay. If we are the body... Why aren't his feet going? The only reason, Leonard Ravenhill said this. He said, the only reason we don't have revival is because we're willing to live without it. If you're willing to live without revival in your life, you will. If you're willing to live without revival in your community, you will. After adding everything up, just under half of all Americans are unchurched. That's 156 million people. Hmm. That means if you took all the unchurched, It would create the world's eighth most populous country. The eighth most populated country in all the world would be full of people away from God. So now you might be asking, well, what can I do about a problem so big? And see, this is not a new question that's been asked. Philip asked Jesus this in John chapter 6. Look, this is my last verse right here. Hallelujah, Jesus. John 6, 1 through 9. After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a great multitude followed him, because they saw his miracles, and he did on them that were diseased. They saw what Jesus did that on them that were sick. Amen? This is King James. I'm sorry. I think this New King James. Anyway, And Jesus went up into a mountain where he sat with his disciples. Can I tell you something? If you will pay attention, God will bring you to the high places. When he wanted to be alone with the disciples, he carried them up to the mountain. High above the circumstances at the bottom of the mountain. Amen? Jesus was forever looking there. He would pull them away from the crowd, the hustle and bustle, the problems with life, and he'd pull them up into the mountains. And he had sat there. And I'm telling you, if you'll allow God to bring you up into the high places, he will show you truths that you've never seen. Amen? He will pour into you. He will grow you. Verse 4. And the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was near. Now, see, there was a lot of people in town because of this holiday Passover. It was kind of like Thanksgiving or Christmas in Jerusalem. Amen? So now, look, when Jesus lifted up his eyes and he saw a great company come unto him, he said, Philip. Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? Philip, where may we buy bread that all of these may eat? Philip answered and said, 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them that everyone may even have a little bit. Here's where Philip said it. He said, Lord, seven months of wages wouldn't be enough to give every one of these people here just a single bite. What can I do, Lord? Lord? The problem is greater than me. I don't have the money. I don't have the time. How can I possibly make a difference with all these people? And I believe Andrew was sitting right close by because we see Andrew must have heard what Philip said to Jesus. It's a fact because I'll show you in a second. He was listening in on the conversation. (laughs) And I believe Andrew heard Philip say, what can I do? He heard his remark to Jesus, what can I do? And look at what happens. Verse one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said, he said to Jesus, There's a lad here that has five barley loaves and two small fishes, but what are they amongst so many? The Berean Bible study says it like this. Andrew said, Lord, there's a boy here with five loaves of bread and two small fish, but what difference will these make amongst so many? Andrew was thinking, hmm, what can I do? If Philip can't come up with a way to tend to the need of the people, what can I do? Now, sure, Jesus wanted to meet their physical need, But how many you know he said, I am the bread of life that came down from heaven. And if you eat of me, you'll never hunger again. And if you thirst and drink of me, you'll never thirst again. So Jesus was talking about not only in the physical, he'll meet your physical needs. He'll pay your bills. He'll feed, put food on your table. But he also wants to feed you spiritually. Amen. How many knows there's a nation outside this door, a city and a county that needs to be fed spiritually? Andrew's saying to himself, what can I do? If Philip, he's smart, man. I done been around this cat for a little while with me and Jesus and the other disciples. This cat's smart. He can't figure it out. So how can I come up? He said, I'll do. This is what most people do today. He said, I'll point out to Jesus just what we do have available that's so little, so he can see how insignificant it is. I'll just go ahead and point it out to Jesus how little we do have and how little of the difference we can make. Have you ever told Jesus how little you are and how much you don't matter? And have you ever told yourself how much anointing you don't have and how smart you're not and all the things that we don't have? So this is what Andrew did. He done what we do. He just started showing him what we didn't have. He said, you know, there's two fish and some bread, but what difference would it make? Yeah, God, I've been in church for 10 years, but what difference does it make? Yeah, I can open a Bible and pick out a verse, but what difference does that make? I have a vehicle and I can drive, but what difference does that make? We start looking at all the things that we don't have. <laughs> we have five barley loaves and two small fish, but what difference will these make among so many? What can I possibly do to make a difference amongst so many anointed Christians and preachers? Picture number two, Nick. You see, today in today's megachurch society and television, we start wondering, what can I do amongst ministry number two that, that can make a difference? What could I possibly have that could change anything? Amen? Sure, I've been told that I've got talents and I've got gifts and there's a calling on my life. But what can I do with it? I don't even really know what they are. What can I do with that? How can I possibly top what's happening at a Hillsong conference or at a Ron Hanbarkey conference or at a Catch the Fire conference or at a more Cyrilla crusade? What could I do that could make any difference that Billy Graham didn't do? Who am I amongst all of these problems and these people that need to be saved? Not only do they need to be saved, they need to be established and taught and how to grow in God. Amen? Hallelujah, Jesus. You ever felt like that? Come on, just be real. You ever seen Joyce Meyer preach or teach and think, I could never do that, man. Steve Hill, um, uh, John Kilpatrick, um, Benny Hinn, um, who's the one that combs his hair back? Jensen Franklin, man, I love him. T.D. Jakes is one of my favorite. I could never preach like him. So what can I possibly do to make a difference? So really, we either believe that God is talking to us when he says go, or we don't think he's really talking to us when he says go. So did he only call out a few that can do this when he said go, or is he talking to me and you? So right now I'm fixing to share a story that my brother Arthur shared. It's powerful. I appreciate you sharing it. He didn't know I was going to share it tonight. And it may be just a tad bit different. I couldn't get it exactly like you had on Facebook there, brother. But it's awesome. Please put up picture number three. This is the story about the starfish. Picture number three. Now listen to this story, and I'm going to tell you what you can do. You see all the starfish washed up on the beach? While walking along a beach, an elderly man saw someone in the distance leaning down and picking something up and throwing it into the ocean. As he got closer, he noticed that it was a young man picking up starfish one by one. Everybody say one by one. And tossing each one gently back into the water. The scene looked like this. He came closer and he called out. He said, good morning. May I ask, what is it that you're doing? The young man paused and looked up. He said, I'm throwing starfish into the ocean. Amen. The old man smiled and said, well, I must ask then, why are you throwing starfish into the ocean? To this, the young man replied, The sun is up, the tide has gone out. If I don't throw them in, they will die. Upon hearing this, the elderly man observed, and he said, But young man, do you not realize that there's miles of these, there's thousands and thousands, maybe millions of these starfish all along this beach? I mean, look. (laughs) He said, Do you see how many they are? You can't possibly make a difference, do you not? Have you lost your mind? You see those starfish, (laughs) and you're telling me you're picking them up one by one and throwing them back into the water where they came from to save their life. You cannot possibly make a difference. Have you lost your ever-loving mind? But the young man just listened real polite. And the whole time the old man's saying all this to him, he bends down. Picks up another starfish, and he throws it back. And he says, made a difference for that one. He said, it just made a difference for that one. I might mean, I can get them all, but I can make a difference for this one. That made a difference for that one starfish is not going to die now. That one person is not going to go to hell now. That one person is not going to think that the church is snotty and stuck up because I pulled over and gave them a cold drink of water. Hallelujah. <laughs> it made a difference to that one. What can I do? I have one more video clip I'm going to share with you. I think of these lyrics many times when I'm praying. In my bring it on up, Nick. Go ahead and bring the video clip up. I think of these lyrics all the time. I pray them all the time. so powerful. And go ahead and play it. We'll watch just a minute of it. It's an old song. But this is what you can do.
1: When she told him to, tell, he reached back. Standing tall. i
0: can I do? I can give all I have. God says, I give all I have. The great Presbyterian minister, John Getty, asked, what can I do? And in 1848, he answered his own question. He said, what if I give all? In December 14, 1872, listen to this. There was a tablet prepared and placed behind the pulpit of this man's church <laughs> in Prince Edward Islands. It says um, he ministered there seven years, missionary from Nova Scotia to Anatown for 24 years. This is what the tablet said that they had inscribed in stone behind this man's pulpit. He said when he landed in 1848, there were no Christians here. And when he left in 1872, there were no heathens. He said, what if I give all I have? What will that gift do? And when he landed, there was not a single Christian on that island. They were heathens. They they wasn't just away from God. They didn't even care about knowing God. They ate each other. They were cannibals. They were heathen. They were like raging animals. They were worse than animals. Read about John Getty's life. He said, what if I give all I have? What will that gift do? In 24 years when he left, there wasn't a single heathen left. Every single one of them were Christians. How would you like to go on street ministry to a part of town where they eat people for supper? Woo! You better run. Head down and dribble low. He said. What if I give all? Does this make sense? God can do a lot with a little. Now listen, this is what hurts. All of that survey and research and showed that the unchurched are no longer able to connect with the church. That's grievous to me. I've cried over this in prayer. Dear God, forgive me if I've ever been the kind, if I've ever had an attitude or personality where someone that's not a part of the church can't connect with me because they can't relate. Oh. See, the church should be a place of comfort. For the lost to come into, they don't care about theological differences. When you walk up to somebody that's hurting and you wrap your arm of love around them and you give them a gift and a hug and a smile, they could care. That's what denominations up there. But it's the ones that do this because you're not dressed like we're dressed and you don't wear your hair like we wear our hair and you don't sound like we sound and you don't smell like we smell has pushed them away and made this gap in the church huge between the lost and the, un- and the church and the-, the church is God's people. It's not a building. Amen. Amen. God said, come in and go out. Come in and go out. Come in and let me touch you. Come in and let me bless you. Then go out and give what I've given to you. Amen. Three root causes for this big crisis. Can you take it? <laughs> three, prop, three reasons why the world outside these doors don't connect to the church. Number one is busyness. Christians are too busy. We're too busy having church. We're too busy having church programs. We're too busy doing church stuff to notice that that person over there that is away from God and hasn't had the touch of God on his life or hasn't been saved or hasn't been hugged or hasn't been acknowledged. We're too busy. We're too busy making our careers. We're too busy paying off our bills. We're too busy with our goals. Amen? Busy. Busy being Christians. He said you're the light of the world, but we're busy being Christians inside the building. Inside. The other one is lack of commitment. Now hear me now. Not just any lack of commitment. Lack of commitment to making disciples. Let me tell you, I'm going to break down the stigma about how to make disciples and make it really plain. (laughs) Do you know how to make disciples? Many people say they don't don't do this, they don't labor, they don't try to win souls, they don't try to make disciples for Christ because they really don't know how. It's this simple treat them like you want to be treated. Can you do that? Can you treat somebody like you want to be treated? And I guarantee you, you keep treating them like you want to be treated, you're going to make a disciple. Do you want to know what God has to say in the Word and turn to Scripture and find it? Share it with somebody. It's simple. Show them love. Show them hospitality. Be their friend. It's that easy. Because when they trust in your friends, you show them live like I live, brother. I don't know everything. But Jesus didn't say, after y'all get out of Bible school, I'm going to make you fishers of men. So why do we think we've got to have so much church before we go out? The first thing he spoke to them was, I will make you fishers of men. That's the first thing. Anyway, all right, please hurry up. You're probably tired of hearing me already. Thank you, brother. The third problem that leads to this is the attempts. To grow one's faith alone at home, instead of being committed to a body, whoo. That's the big problem that's making the gap between the church and the church so wide. Is that as many Christians want to just grow their faith alone at home, instead of being part of a local body where they can grow and learn how to submit to a pastor, or learn how to grow under authority, learn how to be raised up and be used, and learn the, how to pray and how to sing. You know what I mean? So we want to withdraw and do our own thing, on our own time, in our own way. But Jesus said there's only one way that you can come into the sheepfold, and it's through the front door. He said you're not going to make it if you're trying to come through the back. Because there ain't no back door. So what can I do? Make time. Make time for reaching out to others. We make time for vacations. We make time for... (laughs) Going to Walmart, we make time to take naps. We make time while we're angry and we don't want have anything to do with anybody. We make time to turn the phones off and screen the calls and not let anybody in the front door. That's all good. Make time. Surely we can come up with one hour in 72, in seven days. Amen? Commit to making disciples. I don't know how. Begin to treat people like you want to be treated. Jesus, has Jesus done anything for you? Tell him. It's what Jesus did for me. I don't understand it all, but I know this. He touched me. I might not kind of explain it, but I was blind, but now I see. Hey, I'll put it like this. I used to cuss and talk filthy, but now I'm clean mouth. I used to love to go to the beer store and ride the back roads, but now I like to go to street ministry and invite people to church. Something has changed on the inside of me. Hallelujah. I have a, pep in my step, a reason for getting up. Don't draw back in your silo. Real quickly, I'm going to share some specific ways you can make disciples, and then we're going to go. Amen. We're going to pray. Is this good? Here is what you can do specifically to make a difference. One starfish at a time. Can anybody throw a starfish back in the ocean? I can make unchurched. People feel welcome and comfortable, and not like I'm a religious saint. I can just be myself, shake their hand. Hey, brother, how you doing today? Man, it's good to see you. Can I pray with you know? Have you been to church in a while? You want a Coke? Amen? Just be hospitable. Don't you like hospitality when someone warm welcomes you in? Even if you don't want to be, be hospitable. (laughs) Even if they stink. You'll be away from him in a little while. <laughs> Amen.
1: <laughs>
0: hey, I want to tell you this real quick. Uh, Billy Graham's son, Franklin Graham, was having uh, "Rockin' on the river, something like that, this big crusade uh, in Washington, D.C., and on the Potomac River. I mean, they had all kind of big mega bands and stuff, and there was, there was plenty of hundreds of thousands of people coming. And some of the Christian leaders in the community started criticizing him for all the Christian rock bands that he had brought in. He said, Look, man, (laughs) I'll never forget it. He said, What are you doing bringing these in? He said, What do you mean? I'm going fishing. He said, Jesus said, Go fishing. So if you don't like the type of bait I use, go use your own somewhere else. But this is the bait I'm using. These people can relate to some rock and roll and to some electric guitars. And they got purple hair and they got earrings and they got real problems. And so we're gonna, this is the kind of bait we're going to use here. You don't always eat the bait that you use when you go fishing, right? <laughs> Hallelujah. So whatever it takes, Paul said, I become all men to all, you know, to reach that I might save some. All right. This is cool. If you have an hour a week and you're on a very tight budget, you can connect with people by operating in the one to five dollar ministry. Did you know you can run a one to five dollar ministry? You sit in a dollar store, this section over here is uh, one to five dollar, everything over here is one to five dollars. Y'all seen that in the stores, right? A one to five dollar ministry. You can buy a single bottle of water from the store, drive down the road to where they're filling potholes or they're weed-eating or someone's walking, pushing something or they're getting out of their car, going in Walmart and you spend a dollar and some change and you buy a single bottle of water and you walk up to them and you say, brother, it's hot outside. Hey, man, I I just want to bless you. You look hot, you look thirsty, here's a cold drink of water. Jesus said to go into all the world and bless them and I want to bless you. It's that easy. I saw you sweating. I saw it's hot. I was thinking about you. So here, I just bought this for you. Hey, do you have a church? I'd like to invite you to ours if you don't. A $1 ministry. Amen? $5 will get you a case of water and a bag of ice. And somewhere between 12 and 24 people, and you ice it down in an ice chest, and you can cruise town in a hot summertime, and you can hand out bottles of water and hand out flyers and hand out tracts and love on them. That's a $1 to $5 ministry. Amen. Can you afford $5 or $1 this whole month? What can I do? I can save up $1. And I can make a difference with one starfish. Amen. You can buy a box of brownies. For a dollar. And if you're like me, ask somebody to help you cook them. (laughs) I can cut them. (laughs) But I can't cook them. But anyway... With $1 to $5, dollars, you can reach out to 15 to 30 people. Two brownies in a bag. Call somebody that hasn't been to church in a week, two weeks. They don't always have to be away from God. It's people that's just new people in the faith or somebody that you just care about. And look around. Brother Arthur is always looking around. He's done carried a fan and two air conditioners this week. Amen. Today. Drove all the way to Monroe to get an air conditioner, putting a lady's house. Took her a fan yesterday and she said, Now I can cook supper. I'm not gonna share. He's gonna he'll give the testimony when he wants to. I'm just saying. It's called a bountiful eye. That's what I can do. Amen? Hey, look, moving right along. A $25 ministry. Picture number four, please. For twenty-five dollars. You can buy a few packs of Cokes, sprites, coke, and Dr. Pepper. Some Skittles, some Nihilators, Starburst, and put them in a bag and tie a ribbon around it. <laughs> we did this. Amen. 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 Went and knocked on the door, said, Hey, brother, hey, sister, we're praying for this city and we're praying in your neighborhood and we want to bless you with this snack pack, this Coke pack. 25 bucks. Went to 25 houses. Amen. What can I do? Woo! Picture number five, please. For about forty five dollars, if you can turn your head to the left. <laughs> it don't even have to be that much. But as God causes your faith and your finances to prosper, that's fruit. <laughs> From sowing your seeds for about forty five dollars. You can take a bottle of water, an apple, an orange, and a banana, and a nice bag to 25 different homes. Amen? Something else you can do. Number six, please. Picture number six. You can join our street ministry team. I remember, <laughs> look at these warriors. Look at our street ministry team. Wow, look at what God has done. Amen. 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 Give yourself a clout. Hallelujah. This is what God is doing. Look you don't have to know how to, you don't have to know a single scripture. You don't even know how to how, have to know how to pray. <laughs> you don't, if you know how to get out of the vehicle, you qualify. If you know how to get out of the van, I'm telling you, you qualify. If, if you know how to ask somebody, "Can I go?" you qualify. Look, the point is, these are people giving all they have. They had a little bit of time on a Monday afternoon a few weeks ago. Took the money, bought some fruit, put it together, made some flowers in Espanol <laughs> with the <a> paquito. Uh, <laughs> my Espanol no suave. <laughs> but God bless these two. Amen. They decided they wanted to go give them a clap. Come on. We need to celebrate. People that are willing to labor. God has a lot of church attenders, but very few contenders. Very few laborers. Amen? God's not lazy. People are. They're full of excuses. I'm too busy. I, I work a full-time job in Eldorado, live in Crossit, minister in Hamburg. That's pretty busy. <laughs> Amen? Who would have figured God would have come up with it like that? Look, a couple more things I'll show you. Look, they give all their hand. One thing you can do is reach out first. Come on, the next picture. We're going to roll through these. You can be the first to reach out. Oh my goodness. You can turn your head to the left. That's the street ministry team in action. <laughs> hey, you know what? I give all I had tonight. That's a door here in town where they're reaching out first. And the church said, you know what? I'm going to give all I have, and I'm going to go to some place where somebody hasn't even asked me. I might get rejected. They may not want me there, but I'm going to knock on their door and say, Can I bless you? Because this God on the inside of me can't quit, stop thinking about those that may not know him, and I'm going to show them love. I'm going to show them that there's a ministry in this town that cares about somebody beside themselves. Amen? Next one, please. Ah-ah. Man, I tried. Can you make them turn, Nick? Is there any way you can twist it and make it turn upright? This is our team coming down the street. (laughs) Well, put it back bigger. We'll deal with it like that. Look, if this is vertical, (laughs) it's a street. These are boxes. If you can get out of the van... And hold on to a handle of a box. You can qualify for street ministry. Amen. Yeah. Look, Brother Samuel and uh, David, David, and uh, Brother Arthur and, and um, all of them, um, Sister Karen and them in the background, Sister Brandy, they're all out there making a difference. Look, you see those boxes? They represent, those houses represent the starfish, and the boxes represent throwing one back at a time. Amen. What can I do? What can I do about a problem that big? I can go <laughs> Last picture. Y'all tired of my photographs? Last one. Let's be, pr- ah, mucho no bueno, por favor, senor. <laughs> this is bridging the gap. This is bridging the gap. These people worked. All these people in these pictures that you've seen had been at work that day before, that day. Either at home or on a a job, some type of way, taking kids to work, getting kids up, doing something. They had busy lives, and they pushed it aside for somebody else. And look, now here we come, bridging the gap between the church and the unchurch, I apologize for the pictures turned sideways, but you can see what's happening. Me and Brother Samuel had just been on the other side of the van ministering and come across and look, and there's Sister Brandy, Brother Arthur, and Jack. Brother Jack, ministering to these two ladies. And what they're saying is, I'm just like you. And I've got a heart, too. I have a need to be loved and accepted and welcomed. So I'm planting seeds of love and acceptance and welcome. And I don't know who you are. These people have never met before. Brother Jack, but none of the rest of them knew. Strangers. Well, I'm shy. Forget about being shy. It's not about me. Tears pouring down their faces. While they're praying for him. Tears. Five minutes before. Never seen him in our life. But what they saw is a church without walls that went out and said, I'm not judgmental. I don't care how you're dressed. I don't care what your front yard looks like. And I don't care what you drive. I don't care where you work or don't work. I don't care what you did last night or 30 minutes ago. What I do care is that I'm coming to bridge the gap between the church and the unchurched. And I'm coming to do what Jesus said. He said, Go into all the world and preach the gospel. And right here, I'm preaching it with my life. I'm preaching it with my time. I'm preaching it with my money. I'm preaching it with my kids. You know how many of the children, they're they're not children, they're young adults knocked on doors and said hey would you come to church, we have a nursery we have this, we have that, we want to welcome you Amen God is on the move don't look at empty seats and think God's not doing anything in Hamburg let me tell you what, if you'll stand to your feet with me right here, I'm going to show you something please Everybody pick up one foot i pick up the other. You know what that is? That's the feet of Jesus. Lift up this hand. And lift up this hand. You know what those are? Those are the hands of Jesus that reach. Everybody on the count of three say Jesus. One, two, three. Jesus. You know what that is? Mouth. He chose to live in us in a bodily form. But if we are the body, why aren't our feet going? Why aren't our hands reaching and showing them there is a way?